This is Sacred Tension, the podcast about the spiritual discipline of asking questions. My name is Stephen Bradford Long, and we are here on the Rock Candy Podcast Network. All right. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the coronavirus sacred tension, the unedited series, because life is insane right now, and I do not have the bandwidth to put in the full amount of work that I normally do for these episodes. So these are unedited, chill, laid-back conversations, and don't worry, I will be getting back to my fully produced episodes at some point in the future, just not yet. I'm not sure when that will be, but it's down the road. It is on the horizon, and we will be back to regular Sacred Tension content. As everyone listening knows, protests have broken out, not just across the United States, but across the whole world, protesting racism and police brutality. I had originally hoped to have a person of color who is an activist and at the front lines of the protests come onto the show for this episode. But because life is understandably crazy for him right now, he had to cancel, and I wasn't able to find someone to come on at such short notice. But I felt like I couldn't, I couldn't do a show without having some kind of conversation about what's going on in the world right now. So this episode is from my patrons-only podcast, House of Heretics. And it was recorded last week, and it is just my co-host Timothy and I discussing our own white privilege, discussing our white fragility, discussing how we as white people can get out of the way of black voices, what we can do to combat our own forms of racism. In addition to that, we talk about some of the misguided liberal narratives that have been going on about quote-unquote violence and protest. We try to unpack some of the unhealthy narratives that have been floating around, and we talk about the Satanic Temple's response to the protests. This conversation is not ideal. I was really hoping to have a person of color on the show. I feel very uncomfortable having a conversation about about a minority group and no one from that minority group being present. As a gay person, I don't appreciate that. As a gay person, I wish that people would stop talking about gay people without one of us in the room. And I'm sure that the same is true for black people. I'm sure the same is true for people of color. So I'm aware that this is not ideal, but I also felt like I couldn't let much more time pass without doing a show about it, because as a content creator, I felt like I needed to have some kind of acknowledgement of, of what was going on and, uh, and have some, some public soul searching. So with no further ado, I present to you my conversation with Timothy on House of Heretics. Say something. Something. Beautiful. 
All right, everything's looking good. Well, hello, my kittens, my degenerates, my deviants. Welcome to the House of Heretics podcast, the show where Timothy and I drink coffee and talk about bullshit. <laughs> All right. Um, let me start my timer here. Well, hello, kitten. Hey. Um, so the world is kind of crazy right now. Mm-hmm. How are you? How are you feeling about all of it? How's uh, how's your mental state in light of um, the the world right now? Uh, well, you know, um, I realize that a lot of uh, a lot of this stuff that's been happening right now with the the Black Lives Movement and the uh, the terrible killings of people of color. Yes. Um, uh, a lot of it is just overwhelming for me. Yeah. And I've been listening to a lot of, uh, voices from people of color just to, just to listen. Same. Uh, yeah. I, I, sorry, go on. No, go ahead. Well, well I won't. Yeah, <laughs> go on, go on. No, cause lots of times I realize that my, I need to listen more than talk. Right. Um, and instead of talking, do more action. Yes. And my actions need to be not just during moments of crises, but during uh, actual, you know, during when it really matters in day-to-day events as well. That's, I mean, a, that's a really good point. I mean, doing it in times of crises are, are, are great, of course. You know, it's needed, it's necessary. But also in everyday matters when nobody's looking or nobody paying attention, it, it's really important to do it then, too. It is, yeah, because this shit is ongoing, and yeah. it hasn't stopped. It It's just out of sight, out of mind for us. Right. And, yeah, I've been doing the same, listening to a lot of black voices. I've been watching lots of black YouTubers. Um, I've been reading lots of articles from black publications, so I, hmm. I like went and looked up, you know, lots of black publications uh, to subscribe to and just so that I can so just so that I can read and um, learn because I I am in the shut up and listen stage of all of this. And by the way, this is a podcast and because it is an auditory medium we did just say that we should talk less, but we're going to talk about it. <laughs> that's the that's the horrible irony. I mean, that's that's well, the most annoying thing about being a podcaster is it's like, okay, need to talk less, do more. Well, let's get on a podcast and talk about it. <laughs> well, there's a time to talk and a time to shut up. <laughs> exactly. And, um, you know, I, uh Yeah. I have been the the brain fog is back for me. Right. Um and just the massive 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 fatigue. Um and that to and it's just because, you know, current events are are getting to me. And I have I I have this thing where I I very easily let current events just sweep sweep me away. You know, yeah. and uh, especially on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
And I'm realizing, I don't know, and maybe I'm completely off about this. I'm realizing how totally selfish that is in that me hand-wringing and being, oh, this is so hard for me, uh, does absolutely no good. Black, mm-hmm. black people have been aware of this shit for generations. Right. And I have the gall to be like, oh, this is so hard for me. <laughs> I'm so sorry for all of you. And, and what I hear a lot of the black creators say is like, just shut the fuck up. You get to feel what you feel. You get to talk, you know, you get to talk it out. You get, but talk it out with other white people. Don't talk it, don't talk it out with us. And so I'm, I'm walking this fine line between letting myself uh, experience the legitimate trauma of current events and, on the other hand, uh, keeping my privilege in mind and realizing that the best thing I can do is to be stable because Mm -hmm. I have the privilege to be stable. I have the privilege to... I have the privilege to maintain my equilibrium and then out of that equilibrium give peace and stability to others. I can support other people. I can financially support other people. I can I can support the cause and and kind of hold down the fort uh in my local communities and be a presence there mm. in in a way that is redemptive. Uh but in order for me to do that, I have to keep my head I, I can't lose my mind. Right. You know, I'm not being killed. I'm not being tear gassed. I'm not I'm not being you know, and and so it's like I'm I'm walking this fine balance between allowing myself to feel what I'm feeling, which is grief, which is horror, which is um which is grief, which is horror, which is Fear, which is all of that stuff, which is fatigue, exhaustion, the brain fog, all of that stuff, letting myself feel all of that and Mm -hmm. process all of that. But on the other hand, to not let it derail me because that is a function of my privilege. That would that would be and that would do absolutely no one any good. It wouldn't do me any good. It wouldn't do my local community any good. It does absolutely no one any good. And I keep coming back to this quote by Thomas Merton. And he says, If you yourself are at peace, then at least there is peace somewhere in the world. And I feel like... I can maintain if my obligation is to maintain that peace because if I have peace then at least there is peace somewhere in the world and and that doesn't mean being unfazed that doesn't mean that doesn't mean um not being grieved you know Thomas Merton I think is talking about a much deeper peace than mere happiness <laughs> or right. or you know he was he was a trappist mon- monk he was a trappist monk he he was a meditator. He was one of the great pioneers in ecumenical dialogue between East and West. He's talking about something much, much deeper than just, oh, I'm just going to tune out and play Animal Crossing all day. <laughs> right. He's talking about much more than escapism. He's talking about a deep abiding peace in the face of horror that um, 
that we are then able to give out of, that we are then able to serve out of. And right. so that's just, that's what I've been thinking. And, you know, I, I keep thinking about the, when, whenever a conservative Christian or a Christian struggling with LGBT issues would ask me, well, what do we do? What, what can we do? What should I do in regards to LGBT issues? Like, I just don't know. I'm, I'm just struggling with this topic. I don't know fully what I believe yet. You know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And my answer was my my answer my answer was always <laughs> my answer was always fourfold. It's like okay, just do four things. And this is what I said to every single person who had asked me this: one, read and learn as much as you can. Um, seek out books and articles and film and media that can educate you on the queer experience. Two, get to know as many LGBT people as you can and engage in their lives fully. You know, get get to know them as people. Three, be in it for the long haul. Because so often after three months or a year, we're like, okay, I figured this shit out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then we're done. And that's not how this works. We don't ever, you know, we queer people, we don't ever have the opportunity of opting out of this yeah. issue. And the least a straight person can do is to stay engaged. The, the, and stay engaged in the injustices, stay engaged in the experience, stay engaged in the story of what it means to be LGBT. And then finally, step four, let it fuck up your life because it will. (laughs) Let it fuck up your theology. Let it fuck up your, your sense of tranquility. Let it, you know, let it mess up your comfort. Let it, let it fuck you up because it will really hard. And I, and I'm thinking, I just keep thinking about that advice that I gave to every single person regarding LGBT issues and now realizing that I get to walk the walk. I get to do that exact same thing for queer or for, for black people. Right. And uh, racial minorities. And so now it's my turn to follow my advice, to mm-hmm. shut the fuck up and learn, read as much as I can, um listen get to know and listen to black lives black voices uh and be in it for the long haul you know mm-hmm. it's so easy it's so easy for all of us to just tap out to just be like okay you know i've read white fragility you know i read the new jim crow <laughs> it's like okay we're done <laughs> and uh but to to stay in a posture of engagement, hmm. and uh, I've decided that that's what I that's what I'm going to do. I'm and uh, I'm going to be in it for the long haul. Yeah, there's um uh, a friend of mine had shared this on social media, and it was sort of uh, illuminating and is both convicting and enlightening at the same time. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, this is what he said: white friends. I've been encouraged to see so many of us outraged by the murder of George Floyd. We've shared statuses, 
petitions and are planning on attending marches these are good and noble things to do but uh, if we want to ask ourselves some questions, I've been asking myself these, and I'm not happy with my answers. Hmm. Here's the first one. How many black people are in your closest circle of friends? Yeah. And he, and he put down for himself zero. Yep, same. How many black people do you work with on a peer level? And he wrote down for himself three. Hmm. How often do you intentionally frequent a black-owned business? And for him, he wrote monthly at most. When did you call last call out racism in a way that might cost you something? Mm. And he wrote, can't recall the time I have. Mm. And then next one, do you have facts to hand that demonstrate the injustice that black people face in our country? And he said, no. And then the last Wait, what was, one, what was that again? I, I Do you have facts to hand? Like, can you give people facts? Oh, got it. Okay that demonstrate the injustice that black people face in our country. And he said, no. Hmm. And finally he said, have you reached out to black leaders in your community and asked how you can help? And he said, no. Hmm. So, there you go. Yeah. And so one of the things that I keep coming back to again and again and again, is I believe the fifth step of the 12 steps, which is to make a fearless moral inventory. Right. And, oh, my God, the, the most fucking brutal step of the 12 steps. And for those listening, I, you know, the 12 steps has come under a lot of scrutiny and I think valid criticism. And it is it really helped me. You know, both of those things can be true. It, I, I think a lot of the criticism of the 12 steps is valid. And uh, some particular aspects of the 12 steps really saved my life, you know? And so both, both of those things are true for me. I acknowledge the criticisms, the valid criticisms, and I have to acknowledge that it really helped me. And one of those things that really helped me was, I believe the fourth or fifth step, which is making a fearless moral inventory. And it's the most fucking brutal step of the 12 steps. Yeah. Everyone dreads it. Everyone Everyone is terrified of it. And um, and then the step after that is making amends, <laughs> is making amends for uh, after you've done that fearless moral inventory. And we just can't grow and we can't change and we, we aren't able to fulfill our desire to transform until we have made that fearless moral inventory as white people, <laughs> you know, who have, who have systemically, who, who have systemically oppressed black people, either unconsciously or consciously. Right. And until we, until we're able to make that fearless moral inventory and just sit down and write out all the ways or, or sit down and, and name to ourselves all the ways that we have fucked black people over and we've taken part in that, or we have sat idly by, um, there, we, we won't improve as people, you know? And so it's, I hear a lot of people justly outraged and wanting to do better, wanting to see a better world, but we also have to acknowledge that in order for that to happen, we have to do a fearless moral inventory. 
and that is very frightening you know it's it's very painful uh and we can do it without we can and the word fearless is really important in that step making a fearless moral inventory to to be able to do so without fear of shame without fear of the painful emotions that will come up because they will come up and to just dive in. It's like just dive into the deep end and just let those emotions come up, let that shame come up and just deal with it. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that's what it that, that's what it means to be a strong human being, to be able to to take to take on those emotions and let them wash over you like a great big wave and then still be standing. Um yeah after after that wave passes you know anyways uh yeah those are i guess those are my preliminary thoughts on on the issue also i'm i'm having something of a conflict okay um i really want to get a person of color onto the show um to talk about this at the same time i'm aware that Black people are probably just fucking sick of of clueless white guys like me being like, "Hey, come onto my podcast so you can, <laughs> you know, so so you can talk about." Oh, oh, my audio just went out. Okay, we're back. You know, c- come onto this clueless white guys podcast so you can talk about racial injustice. Meanwhile, your community is, you know, you are dealing with the trauma and horror of your community being, you know, brutally murdered in the streets. It's mm-hmm. probably the last thing they want to do right now. Right. Oh. I don't know. I can't speak for everybody. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'll just have to ask around. I'll I'm right. I'll just have to uh to text some people in my circle. Right. And um there's um there's a theologian that, that was going to our church however i think she's moving to chicago shortly and uh she's a she's a black woman her name is Allie henny that she goes to your church yes <gasps> i love Allie henny i i retweeted her i and i try and i actually reached out to her to do a show okay um uh, she hasn't gotten back to me again because i assume that life is fucking crazy for her right now and i want to give her her space but no, I think she's she, in Chicago right now. She's a she's the bomb. She's so fucking amazing, right? And she well, she released this tweet thread. Sorry, she released this tweet thread that was just pure fucking fire. And that remember several weeks ago when I said that one of my friends had this racist explosion on me on mm-hmm. Twitter. That was the tweet thread. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, gotcha. that. That was this it, but no, I stand, I stand, Ali Henny. Yes, but uh, she wrote on Sunday this past Sunday. Uh, she says it seems a whole lot of waking up is happening among people of whiteness. I'm going to reserve my critical commenting on this phenomenon for another post and focus on the questions that I keep seeing everywhere, and that is, what can I do? Mm. And so she she lists some bullet points, ten of them. Uh, Number one, listen to people of color share their experiences. There you go. Number two, educate yourself. That means reading books and connecting with anti-racist resources. Number three, pay reparations. 
to individual people of color that have expanded their emotional labor dealing with your privilege. There you go. Pay reparations to people of color's institutions. Pay activists and content creators for your education. Mm -hmm. Number four, disrupt the racism that you see from your fellow people of whiteness. Tell people that they're being racist. Refuse to entertain insensitive talk anywhere, including on this app. Number five. Which app is she talking about? Well, this one is Facebook. Okay, got it. Okay. Uh, number five, get uncomfortable. There you go. Put yourself in situations with people who are not afraid to speak their truth to you. Number six, do the work. Dedicate time and energy to learning to deal with your whiteness. Since you were born, you have been exposed to a lot of negative ideas about people of color. It is going to take a lot of time to dismantle the things that you thought were normal and okay. Mm. Number seven, be ready to be offended and to have your feelings hurt. Yep. People are tired of being oppressed and a lot of folks are going to let you have it right now. Will you learn or will you retreat into comfort? Number eight, Listen to people of color who might not necessarily agree with rather than defaulting to the same voices that don't challenge whiteness. Mm. Number nine, don't demand emotional labor from your black, brown, and indigenous friends, especially right now. Take whatever they have to offer and don't make demands upon them. Mm. Number 10, manage your white tears. Your eyes are being opened to the injustice in the world, and that's a good thing. But your black, brown, and indigenous friends should not have to wipe your tears when they're too busy wiping their own. Exactly. I love that. Hard truths. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the same reason why I loved at, why I loved her tweet thread. Right. Um, which was basically along the same lines. You know, it was it was um it was very similar to that. And yeah, we need voices like that. We need voices that don't beat around the bush. And I, however, I expect she's still, I expect she's still softening it for us. <laughs> I think you're right. I, I, I have, yeah. Go on. Uh, I, I, I've seen some. I, I read some of her stuff. It's like, ooh, ooh. Yeah, that, same. And that's, that's the smart. that's the way it's supposed to be. Right. Um, the the paying people for their emotional labor is really good. I think that's right. a really really good insight. Um, and maybe what I'll yeah I'll I'll have to think about how maybe what I'll do is a podcast just mm -hmm. platforming black voices in, instead of asking and and basically in uh, citing books and podcasts. And something, something. Maybe I'll just do a, sh a solo show. I don't know. I'll have to figure this out because I I want to do so in a way that is platforming black voices. Maybe I'll I'll pay, I normally don't pay my guests. Maybe I'll offer to pay someone to. I don't know. I'll figure it out. <laughs> I'll I will think about this in private. Um, another concept that's been really helpful for me, and I read this this blog post years ago and I don't even know where it is. Uh, now I'll, I'll probably have to hunt it down at some point, but this blog post talks about grief and care in terms of concentric circles. You might've seen this and she's this, this blogger talks about how imagine 
say a person, an individual in your life is going through, you know, some kind of trauma, whether it be relational, financial, medical, whatever, you know, whatever it might be. And they said, imagine concentric circles. And the, the person who is struggling is that inner concentric circle. And your jaw, you are an outer circle. And then there's another concentric circle outside of you, right? Mm -hmm. And she said, your job is to pour support, kindness, love, resources, presence into that inner circle. But there is also the temptation to pour your own baggage, your own emotional response, your own feelings into that inner circle as well, right? And so the grief that you feel, the exhaustion, the fatigue that you feel going through this whole process, right? So we are tempted to pour all that stuff into the, into the inner circle as well. Hmm. And what, she, what this blogger says is just pour the good stuff in and then pour your own baggage out to, mm -hmm. an, to an outer concentric circle, right? So just pour love, support, presence into that inner concentric circle and then pour your own baggage, your own processing, your own, you know, struggling because you will inevitably struggle being a supportive human being. That's just right. what it means. Then take, take that stuff and pour it into an outer concentric circle. You go to a therapist. Go to another friend who is unrelated with the situation. Go to your partner. You know, mm -hmm. John is usually my sounding board. Um, go to whatever. A friend, a pastor, a partner, a therapist, what have you. But don't pour that shit into that inner circle. And I really think that that is a really good analog or, or a really good... Um, rule of thumb for cultural issues as well <laughs> hmm. right and it you know when Ali Henny talks about we don't need your white tears um because we we have you know she says it so much more beautifully than I could um basically what she's saying is don't pour your own baggage into that inner circle is how I is basically what I'm hearing her say. Pour your own stuff out. Cry with other white people. Don't cry with us. <laughs> right. We don't need that shit. And that's another, that's been another really helpful rule of thumb. Um, that's been a really helpful rule of thumb for me. And just just in interpersonal stuff, but also now expanding that to broader societal issues in terms of oppressed people groups and so on. Right. Um, so I have, I have two additional thoughts yeah. here. One being I'm seeing a lot of anguish and a lot of hand wringing over riots and i think this hand wringing personally this is just me sounding off 
I think this hand wringing is really backwards. I think it, because to me, you know, I was listening to Chapo Trap House uh, yesterday, and they said something really good, which I 100% agree with. They said, saying, you know, arguing whether a riot is right or wrong is the is is the equivalent of arguing whether water boiling is right or wrong hmm. basically saying this is what happens when you turn on the heat water boils people riot it's like chemistry we are physical embodied beings okay so as a satanist being a follower of a carnal religion i believe that we are uh, materially confined and determined and and you know I'm 100% a materialist I'm a I'm a socialist materialist believing that that economic and physical conditions determine everything absolutely everything you know that's my bias and so I think that if you turn on the heat onto a society if you ignore their please and if you ignore their 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 struggles and their pleas and their cries for justice well this is an this is what's going to happen it's like chemistry it's like two plus two equals four we and mm. and arguing whether it's right or wrong is ignoring the fact that uh, that this is preventable we could have listened to them when they were writing their books when they were doing their peaceful rallies when they were you know writing their op-eds we could have listened to them then but we chose not to and this is what fucking happens when we it's just and so saying saying that it's right or wrong that people riot like yeah it's uncomfortable i don't like rioting who the fuck likes rioting no one likes rioting especially probably those minority groups like it is the last option for them it is what happens when all other options have been exhausted right and it's a force of nature it's like complaining about whether a hurricane is right or wrong it's you know it's like complaining over whether a hurricane can't you know i don't know it, it's like if you apply pressure long and hard enough this is what fucking happens and then hand wringing over over the looting and hand wringing over burning buildings hand wringing over that um while ignoring the generations of injustice that inevitably leads to this is just fucking backwards <laughs> and it pisses me off so fucking much did you see what trevor noah said about protests no what did he say uh he said i love this uh, he does he, he is on he, you know he's doing it from home and the daily show and so it is it's turned on a whole new different type of atmosphere for him but this is what mm. he said he said when uh, colin uh, Kaepernick knelt. They said this is not the right way to protest. Yes, there's no okay. There's no fucking right way to protest for minorities. It's like no yeah. matter what you do, no matter what. And it was the same. It was the same. Sorry, you're fucking triggering me right now. Okay, so I'm just gonna. <laughs> so I'm just gonna go the fuck off. Okay, it was the same with queer people. It was the right. same. It was the same with ACT UP, and and AIDS protests. It was this. There was no right way. There was right. no right way to protest. 
That's basically what he said. They will yeah. never, they will never be happy. Sorry, go on. No, he's a. Then he said, when uh, Martin Luther King marched in Selma, they said this is not the right way to protest. Yes. When people. When people marched in the streets of South Africa during apartheid, they said, this is not the right way to protest. Yep. And then he said, there is no right way to protest because that's what protest is. It can't be considered right by the system that it's protesting. There you go. That's it. Exactly. It. And OK, so that's one thought. And it kind of makes me sick. It 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 is if we want to have and especially coming from leftists, coming from people who presumably have a a uh, material analysis of why people do what they do and why societies are where they are, especially from especially from leftists who presumably should have a better insight into into how this stuff happens. You know, okay, so that's one thought. And then the second thought is um the out the the outsiders infiltrating and and escalating violence. So, I'm seeing a lot of white liberals uh, saying, "Oh, it's the black people who are peaceful," or peaceful meaning they aren't smashing, they aren't smashing property. I think that there could be a good argument as to whether that qualifies as violence because I think saying I think using the word violence to describe yes. police brutality and then the destruction of property I think that conflates those two things in such a way that it makes it sound that police brutality is justified. Right? I think mm-hmm. I think that if so that's one problem. I think that we can say that there are degrees of violence. I think we can say, okay, you know, smashing a small business owner's uh, property, well, that's going to really hurt that small business owner, and that will, you know, maybe that's a form of violence, but it is not the same thing. It is not on the same level as uh, as putting your knee on a black man's neck and suffocating him to death, right? And so, right. And so first— calling what the looters are doing violence without qualification is essentially putting it on the same level as is it's putting it on the same level as the violence that the police are doing therefore making them morally equivalent and try and that takes the focus away from the injustice right right Okay, so that's one issue I have. It's like either we don't call what the looters are doing violence because, or we bring a greater level of nuance into how we talk about violence. Nathan, uh, Nathan Robinson wrote an article on current affairs, which I shared on Twitter. Everyone can go find it. I also shared it in the Discord in the Thunderdome. Mm-hmm. Um, to just you know, while I disagree with some, uh, while I might struggle some with uh, some of his some of the details, I agree with the overarching message and where he's grappling with this issue. Um, the other problem I have with what I'm seeing from a lot of white people is the insistence that it's that the black people are not actually quote unquote being violent. They aren't. They aren't. It isn't actually the black people who are looting and breaking shit and setting stuff on fire. 
but it is actually outsiders. It is actually privileged white people coming in and infiltrating. It is actually white, white nationalist groups. Now, I have no doubt that there are white opportunists taking advantage of this situation to vent whatever bullshit emotions they might have. Like, I have no doubt that that is the case. However, to say that all of the looting and all of the fires and all of the breaking shit is happening because white agitators are coming in is to displace black rage. It is to displace hmm. their their ongoing struggle against a system that doesn't give a fuck about them. Right? And and it is mm-hmm. displ- and so yes, there are probably some white nationalist groups I don't know. It's po- I can basically what I'm saying is it is not outside the realm of possibility. I can see that happening. But to say that it's all white people, that it's actually the white people who are smashing shit, uh, is to displace the actual issue, which is police brutality. <laughs> right? Yeah. And anyway. And at the same time, I see lots of videos of of black people like black protesters tackling white looters because they know that they'll get blamed Mm -hmm. and and we have to keep that in mind as well i don't know this is all just shit that's been swirling around in my head and it's like this is the first time that i'm verbalizing it and so timothy you are my fucking therapist right now i'm so sorry (laughs) no you're fine um those are my thoughts on on the on that topic well i mean i think we gotta watch out also uh trying to retroactively making sense out of something yes trying to say uh, you know this is why this is all happening when it's like we're trying to justify certain things just like you're saying there about um i remember talking with my my pastor once and and he was telling me that he never thought you know, since he he himself is a liberal progressive pastor, that uh, that he thought he would be behind all the infighting that happens in conservative circles. Like, no, it still happens in progressive circles too. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So it's and we just gotta be careful making quick assumptions and conclusions. So I think that's our issue there. Sometimes it's just stepping back listening and there are going to be a whole bunch of different answers but and it goes back to the listening part it goes back to you know it goes back to and you know i acknowledge the irony of what i'm just saying because i just spent literally the past like 20 minutes sounding off nonstop, like steven's train of consciousness um stream of consciousness is the correct term. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But not jumping to conclusions. You know, I think we have this knee-jerk reaction during times like this to to be distracted from the issue and and, and make conclusions or, you know, my therapist used to call them banner statements. Like, this is this. (laughs) Um, I will, you know, she, she, she says a banner statement. I will never be loved ever again after a breakup. And she says that is a banner statement, which will distract 
from the actual grieving process. And she said, just don't, uh. don't believe in banner statements and just grieve. You resist the banner statements and just grieve. And I see a lot of white people doing the same thing, making a banner statement about the nature of protests, about the nature of violence, instead of just confronting the uncomfortable truth of white supremacy and police brutality, right? It's, it's a similar thing. Um, and I see, so, and it's like, well, let's just hold off on making those banner statements about the nature of protests and instead let's just hammer and stay laser focused on the issue of white supremacy and that these riots above and beyond everything else are a response to ongoing injustice you know mm. um yeah and, it, you know, and these issues are so fucking complicated. There's no single tweet. There's no single news story that can sum it all up. There is. Um, I've seen uh, some people have been showing um, uh, showing these statistics. I, I'm pretty certain that they're valid, although I haven't fact checked them myself. But they've been showing these statistics about uh, white people who have been killed by police compared to black people who have been killed by police and the numbers for white people are slightly higher than those for black people and the conclusion is see more white people are being killed than black people and i had to bring it back to reality there is i think it's more sort of like um don't quote me on this but like a 60 40 percent so like 60 percent of people killed by police are white and 40 percent are black Mm. And then some other, the the other groups as well. And that's just like a very general summary of it. But then I countered with that. It's like, well, what popu- what percentage of the population in the United States is actually black? That, yes, that is exactly what I was going to bring up. <laughs> and so, and so, in the broad scheme of things, forty percent. That's humongous. Is fucking huge and out of proportion. Yeah, uh, I'm looking at right now, black or African is 12.6%. Exactly. It's just over 10%. And so 40% of that community. Mm-hmm. Well, now, was it 40% of people apprehended by police are killed or 40% of mm-hmm. of that? Let, let me get to the, the, the actual st- statistics shared. Uh, okay. And the guy who shared it, of course, he most conservative guy ever. Um, he was in my old denomination too, of course. Okay. Um. So, like, uh, here's this uh, is from the number of people shot to death by the police in the United States from 2015 to 2020 by race. Um. So, uh, let's see. In uh, 2017, um, it was 457 white people and 223 black people. So, uh, yeah. And then the next year is uh, for 18, 399 uh, white people. 
209 black people. Mm. Um, 2019, 370 white people, 235 black people. Mm. And then this year so far, 42 white people, 31 black people. Mm. So, okay. I mean, it's right there 42 yes, white, ex- 31 ex- black. Exactly. Exactly. And maybe what that so so if it is 60 percent of black people okay if it's if if it is 60 percent of people who are of white people who are apprehended or something i basically what that actually reveals is that they are they are arresting or engaging more with with more black people than they are white people right (laughs) like what that's actually revealing is that fewer conflicts are happening with white people to begin with if it is 60% of that number. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I I should not do math publicly. The, um, <laughs> this is a bad idea. <laughs> um, okay, so there is one last thing that I want to talk about, and that yeah. is TST's response to the riots. Oh, yes. So, I was reading some of your responses on that in the Discord. That was actually interesting. Yeah, so so it is really interesting because the Satanic Temple is um first of all there are a ton of satanists out there protesting. Uh I know that there are a ton here running supplies and I well, I won't I I mm-hmm. probably shouldn't say any more than that. Basically there are a lot of satanists out there protesting across the nation. And across various chapters, um, and Lucian Greaves and uh, the official Satanic Temple newsletter released a statement, basically saying, "We are not going to. We are not going to ask. We're we're not going to officially." Let me just find the statement. It, it will just help to clarify. Satanic Temple. The Satanic Temple. Somewhere in my email. <laughs> um, TST, statement on recent events. Okay. TST members are justly outraged. By the latest murder committed by a police officer, and many have taken to the streets to express their indignation. Some have asked if TST itself, as an organization, will represent itself at the protests. We feel it is neither our place to tell individuals whether participating in these protests is safe and or appropriate for them. Nor is it, nor is this situation ours to exploit as an opportunity to wave our banner. The protests are about police brutality and the death of George Floyd, not about the identities of the protesters. Hmm. As, as an organization, we seek to find solutions to help reform corruption in our legal system and confront the systemic defects that have allowed police misconduct to flourish. We seek to work towards placing police power in the hands of the people. The first step toward achieving this would be to take oversight out of the hands of internal affairs where police oversee themselves and instead create a body of elected citizens charged with reviewing police misconduct. 
Another meaningful measure would be to create a separate prosecutor to handle criminal actions perpetrated by police. The district attorney's office has strong ties to the police and has repeatedly demonstrated that it cannot be relied on to act appropriately and dispassionately. There are many other approaches that can be taken, but there should be a vision that is tenable and rational and strives towards making improvements. If you or anybody you know is experienced in lobbying and or creating legislation, we would be interested in hearing from you. So hmm. basically, and, and, and Lucian Greaves' article, which was very good and on, on Patreon, which is free to the public, I highly but- recommend it. Uh, because basically... I think that they are, you know, TST has made mistakes in the past. And, you know, I'll be the first to admit that they're they're learning, they're getting their they're getting their shit together. Right. Um but I see this move as a very mature move on TST's part. Um because on the one hand, um for TST, you know, the black bloc folks who are who are experienced in protest, they basically advise that you do not wear any identifying logos, you do not wear any identifying clothing. And so having TST out there with with our, you know, Satan t-shirts and our horns and our, you know, usual protest attire, <laughs> our our usual, you know, rally attire, um would a, be stupid protesting because it would make us identifiable. It would make individuals identifiable. Two, it would take the focus away from the black lives. It would take mm-hmm. the focus away from from the people who are protesting. You know, if Satanists publicly got involved, that could be a disaster. Exactly. I mean, that would be such a disaster. We we need to be... So fellow Satanists who are struggling with this... Um, because there are some people who see TST's refusal to officially get involved in the protest. There's some individuals who see this as TST refusing to stand in solidarity with Black Lives Matter or standing in solidarity with black people in general. That's not what this is about. <laughs> like, that is not what this is. To, to, to publicly issue a statement would be to to incriminate a it would be to incriminate our own members uh it would it would make them open to police brutality uh and if we wore identifying clothes out there that would just be fucking stupid and my understanding is that local chapters have been advised by certain members of the black community to not get involved as satanists the black community is already dealing with enough emotional grief. They do not need the added grief of Satanists getting involved. You know, they don't need the added. Exactly. Yeah, they don't need that added grief. We have to be aware of how stigmatizing our religion is. Like the world is not yet ready for for Satanism as unfortunate. Or let me rephrase that. A lot of people are not yet ready for Satanism. And the um in the black community it, uh my understanding my limited understanding is that it is deeply religious they're already going through enough emotional strife right now without satanists getting involved mm-hmm. and so satanists can get involved individually without identifying uh with, with as not public satanists 
and without identifying TST paraphernalia. Um, And because to do that would, A, uh, take away from the voices it would it, you know the fox news would just shine a bright spotlight on the fact that there are satanists in these protests and that would distract from police brutality exactly you know and so it's it's just not a good idea to do this <laughs> and it's so for people who are upset about this p- just please understand uh it this it might initially feel gross to you but just sit and think about it please <laughs> and secondly um, TS- TST can do stuff, which is the long, hard legal work. You know, yeah, that's what definitely. TST. That's what TST can do as an right. organization. TST. That is how they can contribute as an organization. I think you know it's like um, I'm. I'm thinking of a good example. Um. Okay. Let me give you. Okay, this is going to be the weirdest example, but um, it may or may not coincide with this. But uh, do you remember the um, the uh, Boxing Day um, uh, typhoon that killed nearly two hundred thousand people? No, I don't know. I don't know anything about this. The Indian Ocean. Oh yes, of course. Okay, yes. well, you said uh, boxing. Bo- you said Boxing Day, so I was thinking like Victorian England, <laughs> like December twenty sixth is Boxing Day. Right, right, right. right. Okay, yes, uh, I do okay, remember that, this. That's of what course. happened there. Yes. Uh, okay, but so many people wanted to help out that you had people like sending clothes to India to Africa. And they're like heavy sweaters and what and stuff that are it's like totally impractical and does no I, fucking good. <laughs> no, it, it's like I, I see people trying to mop away. Um, you know, they're, they're just they would just take the sweaters and use them as mops. Yeah, basically. And, and it's just like no good whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, when the best thing that they could have done was give up their resources, financial resources to exactly. help out. Exactly. Yeah. So. Uh, and I, maybe in this way, this same thing is also. With, oh, oh, you you're yeah, breaking up. You know, you're. Yeah, uh, you, uh, got frozen there. I was just saying that I think maybe in the same way that's the best thing for, also for TST. They don't need to have a have to have a very public voice and say in the name of the Satanic Temple we are supporting this. Yeah, but maybe they said just encourage their members like if you really want to get involved, do it. You know, and this is what you need to do. Yeah, absolutely. And so um, let me look at the time here. Yeah. So let's wrap this up. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any final thoughts? I've said quite a bit already. I think we should shut up. And I've yeah, exactly. We it is time for us to shut the fuck up. And, um, you know, uh, as, and everyone else, if you're white. Shut the fuck up. Take it. Take I, I, I say this lovingly from a from a fellow white person. Just shut the fuck up. And uh-huh. instead of sounding off on Twitter, retweet black voices. Yes. Please. Please. Like, stop. No one gives a fuck what you have to say. Like, all, you're just adding to noise. Like, just shut the fuck up. 
retweet black voices, platform black voices. They're the ones who need it the most now. Like no one, no one gives a fuck what you think about any of this shit. And that goes for me too. So now is the time for me to shut the fuck up. And I'm really going to be looking for black voices who, who are willing to come onto the show, who, who have the bandwidth right now to come onto the show. Uh, I'm going to try to be platforming um, black resources, black articles, black podcasts, YouTube videos, so on and so forth. I, so I'll be doing a lot of that on Twitter. Um, and so if anyone knows of anyone who, who might, if anyone knows of anyone who, who might make a, a, a good guest for Sacred Tension who might be willing to come on, uh, please let me know. And I will also be looking for someone who can contribute to this conversation, who yeah. who has the bandwidth, who has the energy, because I'm a clueless white dude, and uh, I'm probably the last person a lot of people of color want to talk to right now. So, all oh, right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, my kittens, uh, I love you all. Thank you all for your support. It means the world to me. We have a, a lot of new patrons. And uh, let me just read you off right now to thank you individually. Satanic Faggot, I love you. Best name. Satanic Faggot, Chris, Logan, Robert, Jennifer, Ricochet, Cynthia, Ryan, C-Day, Sarah, Alicia, A.A., Ron, Barry, Rowan, Shiva, Nathaniel, Nick, and Phil. You are all amazing. Thank you so much. And uh, we will see you next week. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye.